0: for your word, asking that you would speak, that we would hear exactly what it is you desire us to hear. Lord, we are open and we are expectant that you will speak. Speak through me, speak through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. the III was a duke in 14th century in what is now called Belgium. And one day his younger brother, Edward, uh, revolted against Reynald's rule. And instead of killing him, he, de- he decided to put him in a room. And he said, he said to his, his, his brother Reynald, you can come out of this room uh, at any time, at any time you want. And now, this would not have been very difficult for most people because this room was, had several windows, a door of near normal size, and none of which were locked or barred. The problem was Reynald's size. He was extremely overweight and had a problem with gluttony. And so Edward, knowing his older brother, Reynold, each day he sent a variety of delicious foods to his brother. Instead of dieting his way out of his prison, Reynold grew larger. And when the Duke Edward was accused of being cruel, he had already answered for his critics. He said, My brother is not a prisoner. He can leave any time that he wants. Now, Reynold he stayed in that room for 10 years, and he was not released until after his brother Edward had died in battle. By then, after a decade, his health was so ruined that he died within a year, a prisoner of his own appetite. What a crazy and tragic and horrible story, right? But I think the reality is, even though this story is kind of crazy, I think if we can admit, all of us have felt the power of food in our lives. We have felt, maybe sometimes, trapped as Raynald as was by our own diets and appetites. Many of us, we've struggled with, with food, we've struggled with our weight, we've tried diets and we failed and it hasn't worked. And isn't it interesting that the Bible describes humanity's first sin as eating something they should not have? And we've had a bad relationship with food ever since. And and you can see this in our society. You You can read statistics on this. Our society spends a crazy amount of money on food, fast food, on ice cream, restaurants, all kinds of stuff and delicacies. And then we spend actually more money trying to reverse the effects of our bad eating. Whether it's dieting or exercise or the increased medical expenses that we're experiencing in our world today. Tim Chester he claims that American Christians spend more on dieting than they do world missions. Clearly, we have a problem with our relationship to food. And so we're in a sermon series called Resurrected Life. And we've been talking about how the risen Jesus renews us for a resurrected life both here and now and forever. And so we've been talking about how does how can Jesus set us free from the seven deadly sins? We've recognized that sin is deadly especially these deadly sins that often lead to other habits and vices that lead us away from life. And we've said that sin has to be named in order for it to be defeated, in order for us to be set free. And by the power of the risen Jesus, we can and we must overcome sin in our lives so that we can live in all the fullness, in all the abundance that Jesus has for us. And so today we're talking about the deadly sin of gluttony. I want to talk about, well, what, it is, what is it? What it isn't, why is it deadly to us, and how can we overcome it by the power of the risen Jesus? And so to start, I want to clear up maybe some misconceptions or maybe some apprehensions you might have about this subject. So let me start with talking about what gluttony is not about. And the first thing is, gluttony is not about your weight, it's not about your body type, and it's not about how you look. You can be perfectly healthy in body, yet still be a glutton, and you'll see why. And you may be here today, and you may be, you know, quote-unquote over, overweight for a number of reasons. It could be genetics, it could be thyroid issues, it could be medical reasons. I, we don't know, and we should not judge our brothers and sisters. We do not know the reasons for that. You may simply have a different body type that is ac- acceptable in our culture. And I want to tell you today that I want to emphatically deny that God has only made one body type that is acceptable. I want to categorically deny that lie. There is not just one body type that is, is acceptable. Our culture holds up one ideal, and I have to tell you, the ideal that we see is more often than not, it's airbrushed, it's photoshopped, it's touched up, all kinds of lies designed to make you feel bad about yourself so that you buy stuff. It's a lie, and it's designed to make you feel horrible. And it's, or I just want to deny that and say that is not the gospel that is not biblical, and so we just deny that there is one body type that God has made. He has made all of us different and diverse, and we praise God for that. Thank God for that. So we're not talking about how you look this morning. All right, just so we're getting that off the table. Secondly, we're not talking about rejecting food as good. And if you know me just a little bit, I'm the last person to do this. (laughs) I love food. I love to eat, and food is a gift of God. And uh, I just found it. we were talking last night, I did not plan this to come after Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. (laughs) This was was not my intention. and I enjoyed some wonderful cheesecake last night. And so food is a gift of God that's meant to be enjoyed. You know, food doesn't have to taste delicious. God happened to make it that way so that we can enjoy it. And in our church, we've been talking about the power of the table and how Jesus was often at table with people and was accused, actually, of being a glutton because he knew the power of eating together. And so, uh, this is not about rejecting food as good, but what it is, is what, as with many things in God's good world, we take a gift of God that he's given us, and then we distort it, or we abuse it. And that's what gluttony is. It's, It's an abusing of a good gift of God that he's given us. And so, overcoming the sin of gluttony, it's about restoring a proper attitude, a proper relationship that we have with God's good gift of food. So that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about how you look. We're not talking about your weight. We're not talking about rejecting uh, food as good. So the question is, well, what is gluttony? What is gluttony? If you look at almost any definition, gluttony is usually defined as an excess or, or an overindulgence in food. Food or drink, having too much, having excess. But I believe at the core, it goes deeper than that. And if I could say at its core, gluttony is slavery to your appetite. Gluttony is slavery to your desire to eat or drink. It's being mastered by a desire for either too much quantity or too much even quality of food. Jonathan Bauer says that gluttony is food worship. It's letting food master and order your life. And the reality is it's a form of idolatry because we are now serving something that's created instead of the creator God. So uh, in the church tradition that's been honed over hundreds of years, they usually talk about five types of gluttony, or five types of gluttonous eating. And this might help you see that it's much bigger than just overeating. And I want to give you those five types. So the first type of eating that is gluttonous is what I call picky eating. And every parent elbowed their children in the room, so pay pay attention here. Uh, But um, when I'm not talking, when I say picky eating, I'm not talking about uh, if you have you know, a legitimate food allergy or you're a vegan or you're a vegetarian or you're gluten-free. And you know sometimes people might pick on you for that. And that's, that's really not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about a picky eating that's a state of mind that wants the food you eat to be prepared and seasoned to exactly your liking. It's a, a, a person who's a picky eater will reject food that is perfectly fine if it's not up to their standard. A picky eater will often send food back at the restaurant because it's not cooked the way or seasoned the way that they would prefer it. Really, the picky eater makes eating all about themselves. They want to make sure that they get the food that they want. And actually, C.S. Lewis, in his uh, uh, wonderful book, The Screwtape Letters on Spiritual Warfare, he talks about how sometimes uh, gluttony gets turned on its head so we don't even see it coming. And he talks about this, this woman who's a picky eater and is experiencing gluttony and she doesn't even know it. So uh, let me read to you what C.S. Lewis says. He's talking about this woman who's a, who's a glutton, a picky eater. And he says she's a positive tear to hostesses and servants. She's always turning from what has been offer, offered to her to say with a demure little sigh and a smile, oh, please, please, all I want is a cup of tea, weak but not too weak, and the, and the teeniest, weeniest uh, little bit of really crisp toast. You see, because what this woman wants is smaller and less costly than what has been set before, she never recognizes as gluttony her determination to get what she wants, however troublesome it may be to others. At the very moment of indulging her appetite, she believes she's practicing temperance. I think C.S. Lewis was on to something here, that sometimes we, even though we're not eating in excess, we're still making eating all about ourselves. Especially when we were picky. And being picky is all about wanting things to be exactly the way you want it. Uh, the second type of gluttonous eating is what's called luxurious eating. The luxurious eater seeks excessive qualities of food con- on a consistent basis. They're not content with the simple basic foods that nourish our bodies. And uh, there's a story in the scriptures where the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness and God's giving them manna to eat and they begin to complain. Read what they, uh, listen to what they say here. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. They're, like, they're, they're upset about their food. And, and when you read this text, and you, you kind of have to laugh a little bit, right? It's like, man, if I could just get my hand on a cucumber, that would, that would satisfy Who says that these days? I mean, clearly, the Israelites had not experienced Cheesecake Factory Cheesecake yet. (laughs) They say, God, if only I had a a New York-style cheesecake. No, they're saying cucumber and a melon. All right, Israelites, whatever your appetite is, that's fine. But the reality is the Israelites, they wanted something more luxurious than what God was sustaining them with. And they wanted the certain delicacies of Egypt. Egypt. And so the luxurious eater, they, they might decline certain types of coffee if they're not from the right coffee place. Or they might decline certain types of beer if it's not craft. Or they might decline certain types of wine if it's not up to their standards. Uh, they want to seek the most exotic and del- delicate things of food. They're the, they're the foodies of this world, but on a, on a consistent and regular basis that becomes their way of life. So the luxurious eater seeks this experience of food in a way that's, that's really unnecessary, unhealthy, and unhelpful. So that's a luxurious eater. Then the third type of gluttony is what I call the, the speed eating. Now, this isn't the hot dog eating contest you've seen on ESPN. Uh, this, this really is about, uh, one, how quickly you eat. And I, I have to be honest, I am super guilty of this. Are you ever at the dinner table, and, you're, and you start eating before everyone else is there, <laughs> and you actually prayed, and, and then they say, oh, shouldn't should we pray, and shouldn't we... <laughs> I have totally, absolutely done this. Uh, And the question is, are you willing to wait for the people around you to eat? Or do you start going right away? And then another question is, how quickly do you return to eating after you already have just ate? If you've already had a meal, are you so quickly going back to the cupboard again to get another snack? You're quickly returning to food again and again to seek something. Is eating an indulgence that you keep returning to? That's the speed eater. Then the fourth type of gluttony is that what we usually think of, this is the excessive eating. And this is exceeding the amount of food that is, that is healthy, that is reasonable. And the question for this is, do you eat past the point of fullness on a regular basis, simply to satisfy your appetite? The excessive eater, they know that they are full, but they keep on going because they just have to have one more bite. One plate of food is never enough. Always got to have seconds and thirds, no matter what meal it is. And they eat more and more because they're enslaved to their appetite, their desire for food. And the last type of gluttony is what's known as greedy eating. And this is really eating with, with a, a too much eagerness and, and too much desire for the food. And so one of the examples the uh, church tradition will give is Esau, who disregarded his birthright, who disregarded all kinds of things because he was so hungry, for that stew and he disregarded the higher values of life you know greedy eating will cause you to be inconsiderate of other people around you you want to make sure if you're in line for a potluck you want to make sure and i i have to confess i have i have totally done this i i, I have thought i really need to get Stephen sarah clark's corn bake before all y'all get to it all right <laughs> because i mean that can even that subtle thing can get into our brain of, of what we want, and we make the eating again about ourselves. But your corn bake is really good, I have to say. But I got, I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. So those are, that's what gluttony is and the different types of gluttony the church tradition has kind of helped us see. Uh, but then we might ask, well, why is gluttony deadly? Why is it considered a deadly sin? And I want to give you a, a few reasons why. The first is it harms our relationship with God. It harms our relationship to God. Gluttony, at its core, it it seeks a pleasure, it seeks a comfort, it seeks a purpose in food that should only be found in God alone. Listen to what Jonathan Bowers says. He says, Gluttony presents as the chief end of man a table that's well-stocked and a stomach well-filled. Hunger becomes the great enemy. The refrigerator then stands as the temple where we find our deliverance. If you're not careful, this it can become a habit in which you seek the comfort and pleasure that you should be seeking in God alone. So food becomes an idol, something in which you seek ultimate meaning, purpose, significance, and comfort from. And moreover, gluttony has been said to have a doling effect on our spiritual appetite. And this is why the church has always recommended fasting to go with prayer. Because there's, for some reason or another, and I I can't explain why, there's a reason that when you dole your, your, or when you fill yourself up with food, your appetite for God is somehow lessened. And if you're doing that on a regular basis, you're not going to be as hungry for God. And I think the test to maybe see if this is at least taking a little bit of root in your heart came up with a few questions. Are you more comforted by food or by God's presence? You have to ask yourself, am I more looking forward to my cup of coffee in the morning or to time with my Heavenly Father? Am I more eager for a late night snack than I am for my before bed prayers? What is in the root of your heart? That's what it's all about. What are you finding more comfort in? What are you more eager to seek? Is it God or is it food? And that's how it can drive a wedge between us and our Creator God. The second reason why gluttony is so deadly, it's an evil in the face of the world's poor. It's an evil in the face of the world's poor. You all have heard the famous story of Sodom and Gomorrah, towns that God destroyed because of their sin. And actually, there's a, uh, a verse in Ezekiel that gives us more insight. Uh, we usually have uh, one idea that it was mainly lust or sexual sin, but actually there was more to it than that. And Ezekiel 16, 49 says this, The sin of your sister Sodom, she and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. You see, Sodom was destroyed because they had so much excess and they didn't really share it with others. They were overfed and unconcerned. Could that not describe many churches in America today? Overfed, unconcerned. And we have to ask ourselves, how much of our budgets are spending on eating expensively, eating luxuriously, eating consistently, to fullness every single day? And how much do we spend on people who don't have anything to eat? God sees that. God sees that, and he cares about that. You see, when we, when we do this and we don't have concern for the poor, I have to tell you, my friends, gluttony puts us in danger of the judgment of God. It is an evil in the face of the world's poor. And God is not pleased when he sees Christians who are overfed and unconcerned. It puts us in danger of the judgment of God. Jesus even told a story about this. He talked about a rich man who had had all that he needed, and there was a poor man outside his gate who longed for just a crumb from his table. And then he says, and they both die, and the the rich man goes to hell, and and the poor man goes to heaven, or in this story at least. And He says, you did not have any concern. You were overfed. You had all you needed, but you did not help the person who had need right outside your door. He was overfed and unconcerned. And Jesus says that is the very thing that God stands against. And this is why gluttony can have such a deadly effect because it makes us insensitive to the needs of others. When you feel full, you don't have as much empathy for those who are hungry, do you? Because you don't have the same experience that they have. And so gluttony, it's a a gateway to a lack of love for those in our midst, for those who need the kindness and mercy of God. So defeating gluttony, it's going to include opening up your eyes to the hungry people around you and actually being concerned. To actually let it transform maybe the way you eat, maybe transform how much you eat, how much money you spend on eating. And the question is, will you be willing to adjust your budget and your eating habits for the sake of the world's poor? God is looking for those kinds of Christians. Will they step up? And if that wasn't enough, (laughs) gluttony is deadly because it harms our bodies and our souls. Now, I said before, gluttony may or may not be related to your weight, but it is undeniable to common sense and to medical science that overeating has disastrous disastrous effects on our bodies. And my friends, God has made us embodied people. We are, imbo- we are in- embodied souls or in bodies, however you want to think about it. We, we are one piece. And often what we, we do to our bodies has an effect on how we experience life. When you harm your body, you often are harming your very self. And so we have to be considerate about how we're treating ourselves. Listen to what Proverbs 23 says. It says, Don't associate, associate with those who drink too much wine or, who, or with those who gorge themselves on meat. For the drunkard and the glutton will become poor, and grogginess will clothe them in rags. So, I mean, essentially he's saying, when you eat too much, you get groggy, and it leads to laziness, and it leads to poverty. And so that it has a bodily effect. I mean, that's that after Thanksgiving thing, when you're eating too much, you have a grogginess. There's, there's an effect. And that's just one small effect that overeating can have on us. Um, a gl- really, for gluttony, for many people, it's literally a deadly sin. It's literally a deadly sin. The medical record might give a different cause of death, but many people are going to their grave with gluttony as the cause. That's just true. Gluttony is causing medical complications that have an effect on our bodies, have an effect on our families, have an effect on our souls. And some of us, we're eating ourselves to death, and it affects... Our family, it affects our loved ones, and we have to do something about it. You have to defeat gluttony before it kills you, because it can kill you when you're when you're enslaved to your appetite. It's killed many people already. So, if you want some freedom from gluttony today, this is how to beat it. This is how to beat it. The first is this: worship God, give thanks for food. Worship God, give thanks for food. Frederick Buchner says a glutton is one who raids the icebox for a cure for spiritual malnutrition. The reality is we got to put food in its proper place, give thanks for it, but then we have to desire to be filled with the goodness of God. In one verse, Paul says, don't be drunk, drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Perhaps if we could be allowed this morning, could we say, don't be drunk with wine, don't be overstuffed with food, be stuffed with the Spirit of God. Let God's life, let God's presence so permeate your heart and life and mind that you don't seek something you shouldn't in the refrigerator. Be filled up with the goodness of God. Jesus was touching on this when he said, man does not live on bread alone. We don't live on bread alone. There's some other sustenance. There's some other thing that we need and it's God himself. We need to be sustained by the worship of God. And the question is, are you filling yourself up with God and his word? The second way that we can be gluttony is that we need to set some boundaries. We need to set some boundaries. You know, the church often would uh, do this by fasting. Sometimes they would do total fasts. They would give up food uh, entirely. Oftentimes they would do partial fasts. They would give up uh, the most delicate foods for Lent and it would train their appetites to not be enslaved to it. Uh, I I found this quote several months ago and I was waiting for a time to use it and now, now is the right time. It's by John Chrysostom, a pastor in the 400s, pastor and theologian, and if you were in his church in the 400s, so 1,600 years ago, you would have heard your pastor say this, Your belly is given you, given to you so that you may nourish it, not so that it may burst. Your body is given you that you may rule it, rule it, not so that you may have it as a mistress. It is given that it may serve you for the nourishment of the other members of your body, not so that you may serve it. Do not exceed these bounds. The sea and flood does not so much harm to the boundaries of the land, he's saying, as our belly does to our bodies and our souls. The flood overwhelms only part of the land. The God of the belly overwhelms the whole body. Set self-constraint as a bound to it as God sets the sand to the sea. This is not a new problem. 1,600 years ago, Pastor and theologian is saying, when you overeat, it causes harm to your body and to your soul. Set a bound, set a boundary. Don't let it overtake your life. And lastly, I want to encourage you to eat appropriately. And uh, Augustine, another church theologian and pastor, he had three rules about eating that I think are still helpful. And again, this is like 17 year old stuff out of the church tradition. It's amazing. And so, he said there's three ways that we should eat appropriately. And the first is, you should eat appropriate for your health. And this is the whole eat to live, don't live to eat mentality. Listen to what the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, listen to what he says in, in 3 John verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health physically, just as you are spiritually. Just as you are spiritually. John, the apostle of Jesus, a pastor, is concerned for his close friend, and in fact, he prays for him to be in good health physically, just as he is spiritually. And to me, along with Jesus' care for for people, this is more than enough biblical warrant for me and for us to be concerned about your physical health. Not just our ailments, but what are you doing to nourish yourself physically? I want you to be as healthy as physically as I'm encouraging you to be healthy spiritually because they're connected. And frankly, the way we eat oftentimes is causing disastrous effects to our bodies. Disastrous effects. And I pray, just as the Apostle John would, that you would take steps even today to start eating appropriately for your health. I pray that you would grow to be healthy physically just as you are growing to be healthy spiritually. You need to find victory. If no one else is going to say this besides your doctor, you need to find victory over your eating habits, over your drinking habits, and if you're smoking, over your smoking habit. You can't just Don't destroy the body that God has given you. Don't destroy it. Eat appropriately. Would you honor God with your body? Secondly, would you eat appropriately to those that you're in community with? Are your eating habits, are they setting an example to those around you? If you have kids, are they setting an example to your children? Are you so attached to terrible foods that your kids often have access to things that harm their bodies on a consistent basis? Or on the flip side, are you so overly committed to health that your kids can't even have a treat? Let's not be, let's have an appropriate relationship to our food, okay? And lastly, let's be, Augustine says, eat appropriate to your calling. Eat appropriate to your calling. The reality is, we live in our bodies, and our bodies help us carry out the work, the mission that God has called us to. This includes the basic things of life, career, your parenting, the, the simply everyday good deeds that God may ask you to do. It requires a body more often than not to, use, to do it. And why not give God a body with the utmost energy and uh, that works so that when God calls you to do something, you're ready? Would you eat in such a way that's appropriate to the callings God has placed on your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel a little bit like the Third. You feel like you're in a prison to your own appetite. And you've tried, you've tried before, you've tried diets, you've tried all kinds of things, you tried exercise, and you just haven't found victory yet. I'm here to tell you this morning that the sin of gluttony was defeated on the cross of Calvary. It is utterly defeated, and he has, and, and with his risen life, you can raise to a new life. You can defeat this by the power of Jesus. Maybe you've tried everything else. Would you try Jesus Christ this morning? Would you try the power of the Holy Spirit? And I, I'll testify to myself, I did not find the victory that I was looking for until I said, God, would you help me overcome my slavery to my own appetite? It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. We're trained that it's not, but it's a spiritual issue. Would you invite the Holy Spirit to set you free so that you can live a redeemed life, redeemed bodily, redeemed physically? And the resurrection makes this all possible because Jesus is still alive. Jesus can still help us and resurrect us and renew us. And gluttony can be done. It can be in your past. You can have a totally new start because of Jesus' resurrection. Now I'm going to pray he does just that in our lives this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, you know where we stand in our relationship to you. And God, I come this morning and and just as, as as we sinned in the Garden of Eating by eating something we should not. And God, we've been enslaved ever since. Lord, would you set free our church this morning. Lord, for every person that feels trapped by their appetite, for every person that feels enslaved to food, I pray you would set them free right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you empower everyone here to live a resurrected life? Father, I pray that that you would give them victory over this sin of gluttony, that you would deliver them from the lies of the enemy, from the lies that tell them that their their body isn't the right type or they don't look the right way. Lord, I pray that we would be able to reject that lie and that we would know the truth that you have created us good, and you have created food good, and you've given uh, given it to us as a gift. So, Father, we rejoice in that. We give thanks for that. We thank you for the gift of food. Lord, I pray that our relationship to food would be restored to a level that is honoring and appropriate to you. Lord, just as the Apostle John prayed, I pray that our church would be just as healthy physically as we grow healthy spiritually. May that be true of our church and true of the ministry here. Help us to be healthy, Lord, and honor you. Honor you with with the bodies that you bought with a price on the cross. We are not our own. You are our Lord. You are our master. So, Lord, we surrender. We let you come upon the throne. And we even surrender our eating to you. Let it be honoring and glorifying to you for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.